We're going today to the book of Genesis chapter 4, and as you're turning there, I want to say that many, many years ago, uh, my grandfather, Brother Bingham, uh, instituted an unwritten policy in this church. It was never put in minutes of a business meeting or a motion made or anything like that, but it's just an unwritten rule at FPC. If if you come to be with us and have church, we're very glad that you came. If you come back a second time, we're honored that you would come back. But if you come back a third time, I'm sorry. You're family. So if you've been here twice, you better watch out. Because tonight, Wednesday night, next Sunday morning, whenever you come back, you're in trouble. And you're connected to all of us weirdos. <laughs> so, if you've been here more than three times and you were not aware of the rule, I'm so very sorry. <laughs> but you're stuck with us. I want to go to heaven with you. Amen. I want to go to heaven with you. Amen. Praise God. We're going today uh, to the book of Genesis chapter 4. I've been praying for your families. and As many of you know, in my prayer time, I like to spend primarily here in the sanctuary. We're pretty much uh, people of habit. And so a lot of you sit in the same spot all the time. And I'm not sure that some of you haven't written your name under your seat. <laughs> but whether you know this or not, I take note of where people sit during church, and, and I miss you when you're not there. But as, my, as I spend time in the sanctuary praying, I walk up and down the aisles where you sit pretty close and pray for you and your family. And I'm thankful to have that blessing in my life to be able to call you my family today. Amen. Genesis chapter 4, and uh, we're going to move through the 16th verse, but I'm not going to read it all for the sake of your standing today. So if you would turn there, and if you're there, say amen. amen. I like to hear that amen. Praise God. And Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived, and she bare Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Cain was a blessing to them from the Lord. And she bare again his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So in fast forward mode, the process of time comes and Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Abel brought of the first fruit of his flock unto the Lord for an offering. The Lord did not have respect to Cain's offering because Abel brought a first fruit offering, the firstling of his flock. Cain simply brought the fruit of the ground. But the Lord wants first. And so the, the Bible said that the Lord did not receive Cain's offering unto him. 
And because the Lord received Abel's offering, now this is the interesting part of humanity. The Lord accepted Abel's offering. He refuses Cain's offering. And so because the Lord judged righteously on his word, Cain killed his brother. I want you to think about that. He killed his brother because of what God received and rejected. It's funny how people are when you live a life of holiness unto the Lord. Favor isn't fair. And so when people look at the blessing and the favor of God in your life, they come after you because of the goodness of the Lord. And so you can tell the spirit that comes on Cain because the Lord comes to him and he said, where's your brother? He said, the blood of your brother cries out to me from the ground. And Cain responds and says, am I my brother's keeper? You can tell the spirit of the man. Am I my brother's keeper? And so now the Lord senses the spirit that's on him. Verse 11. He said, now thou art cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in the earth. Now, 13 is kind of where I really want to draw our text from today. Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Okay, I want you to notice that language. You can dive off into the Hebrew if you'd like, but the English is very, very plain. I can't handle this. My punishment is greater than what I can deal with. It is so much greater. You've driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said to him, Whosoever slays Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Verse 16, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And then it simply picks up from there. Cain knew his wife. She had Enoch, and the story goes on. I want to preach to you today for the sake of your remembrance from a very simple subject. I want to ask you a question. How long does it take? How long does it take? You may be seated. I don't know where the Holy Ghost is going to take us completely today, but I know the Lord has spoken to my heart. Adam and Eve are in a interesting situation because they've been removed from paradise, from the Garden of Eden, because of their poor decision making. And it's a very difficult place to be. I can't really imagine how different the earth would have been if that story had a little bit of a different context to where Adam and Eve usurped their authority over the power of the serpent and just commanded him to leave. That serpent did not have dominion and authority in that garden. God had given authority and dominion to the man, but somehow the vision of 
of who God had created them to be had become obfuscated by a moment of intimidation or something that they allowed, and listen very closely to Pastor right now when I tell you they allowed a conversation to transpire that ultimately led to their demise and the demise of their children that should have never happened in the first place. If they would have understood who they were in God, the very first words that Adam ever heard, it's recorded in your Bible, the very first thing that Adam ever heard in his physical ears is to be blessed, to multiply, replenish the earth, and have dominion. The first thing that Adam heard is that a serpent will never have dominion in this garden. You have dominion. But when Adam failed to walk in dominion, conversations transpired that led to their demise. And so I tell you today, there was a saying that I used to hear all the time. I don't hear it much anymore, but growing up as a kid, I would hear it said that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And we can truly see in the narrative of Adam and Eve and the story as it unfolds that if they would have walked in the power of prevention, then there would have been no need for the cure. But I am glad to testify to you today that although man fell short of the glory of God and sinned, even though I wish there would not have had to have been a cure, I'm thankful to deliver the good news to you today. I have found the cure. I have found the cure. He is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And we understand according to the scripture that where sin doth abound, grace did. Much more abound. The understanding is that before mankind ever fell in their humanity, the answer and the cure was already there. I'm telling you that you were not an afterthought in the mind of God. He had made a way to heal us before we were ever broken. And if you're glad, just shout hallelujah. So the fall of man ultimately ends up in Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden. And the Lord sends a flaming cherub, an angel, that stands guard at the entrance of Eden. And there he guards a tree. And so it was that off in the distance that Adam and Eve, every time they would look off toward how it could have been. Oh man, if I could just get somebody to understand that today. Adam and Eve looked off in the distance into how it could have been. And there was the flaming reminder of the angelic being, the cherub, that you cannot walk in God's plan that he had for you and he intended for you originally. But there's something that I think we often overlook. That just because they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, I find at the beginning of chapter 4 
that Cain was a man that the Lord gave her. Although Adam and Eve were not in the perfection of the garden, it's obvious that the Lord did not give up on them. And they still communed with him. And they still talked with him. Because the Lord was sending her the blessing of a child. And so, the word of the Lord tells us that Cain, the older brother, brought an offering to the Lord that he did not receive. And, and so it caused him to be angry when the Lord received Abel's offering. And he, he kills his brother and his, his blood is in the earth crying out unto the Lord. Now, I don't have a really good answer for you today as to why the Lord dealt so harshly so quickly with Cain. I have searched my heart many, many times and I have thanked God a multiplicity of times, millions of times, that I'm not him making all the decisions. I'm telling you today, it's a really good thing that I'm not God. And I don't say that just being facetious and being ugly. I'm telling you, I don't have the infinite wisdom that he has. I have asked many, many times why he does not judge in a matter. You know, Lord, why in the world would you take so-and-so from this life when they're still doing good things for you and they're kind and they're loving and they're precious and they have done great things for your kingdom, but you let so-and-so live? Now, I know that may sound unfair and you think I'm carnal now that I've prayed prayers like that. But I've had those serious conversations with God. I don't know why you'd take somebody. And, and me and the Lord have even had private discussions, you know, when I find out someone has died and it frustrates me. We've had conversations, and I guess maybe I'm too transparent right here, but I've said, Lord, is there any way you'd let me start picking? Because I got a list. You will never see my list. And I don't really. But I am thankful for his mercy today. And I'm thankful, I'm very thankful. That he hasn't judged quickly on matters in my life. And that he has allowed me another moment of mercy to pass from that judgment of the Lord into the mercy of God. And to wake up to a new sunrise and say, Lord, whatever happened to me yesterday, that doesn't define my destiny. It doesn't define what I'm going to be. Hey, I've got news for somebody in this house today. You can get back up again. If the sun came up this morning and you're still breathing, it's not too late. Hallelujah. It's not too late. But the Lord deals pretty quickly according to the scriptural reference. We don't really have a timeline as far as chronologically how long it took between the upset, the, the murder, the conversation with God. And the judgment of God. But we do know that it came fairly quickly. Now, this is, this is what the Lord has dealt with me about. And I don't know exactly how to bring this to you other than just put it on the platter and let you try to choke it down today. Uh, I'm going to do my best to break this down where you can digest it. But I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, this is not going to be cream of wheat, okay? I'm fixing to throw you a T-bone this morning. I'm fixing to throw it out here and you're going to have to chew on it. 
But the Lord has been dealing with me. This, you can't really get this Gerber style today. I've never put a steak in a blender, and I don't plan on starting now. So I'm not going to throw you cream of wheat. I'm just, I'm just going to throw the steak out here, and if you want it, grab hold, okay? The Lord came to him, and he said to him, Thou art cursed from the earth. And when you till the ground, she's not going to yield to you her strength. He said, A fugitive and a vagabond. You are going to be. And that's heavy. But Cain immediately responds to the Lord. And he says to him, my punishment is greater. Do I have any theologians in here today that want to take a guess at what that word greater means? Man, y'all are deep. It's outside of, of my ability to handle this. I, I don't know how I'm going to live my life like this. I don't know how I'm going to exist like this. I can't survive knowing this is the kind of punishment that I have. But verse 16 said that he went out from the presence of the Lord. Think about that now. Punishment was on him, but he's still in the presence of the Lord. He leaves the presence of the Lord, and the story of his life begins. We find out that he moves to the land of Nod. He takes a wife. She begats Enoch, and the story starts. Cain apparently goes on to live a life full Having children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, moves on into life and just exists. Yet, he made a statement to the Lord, I can't bear this. And so I asked the Lord in prayer, and it's how this message was birthed today. How long does it take for you to move on from not even being able to bear it in this moment? To just being able to move on to a new normal in life. Just pick up from where you are. God, I can't bear this. This is greater than what I can stand. But just a few verses later, we don't know how long it was. But a few verses later, he just moved on with life. Leaves the presence of God. How long do you have to be out of the presence of the Lord before you realize that you can exist outside of his presence how long does it take after that punishment comes on him for him to realize i thought it was more than i could bear but i guess it's really not i guess there's a new normal for me i guess i'll just live without your presence i guess i'll just live without communion I guess I'll just live without talking to you every day and I'll move on with my life. How long does it take after you've missed your last Sunday night and you decide that you're not going to come back to the house of the Lord? How long does it take before you lay in bed in the night and you still hear the voice of the Lord? How many Sundays does it take before you finally just forget what it feels like in the presence of God? A few weeks ago I sat in my house on a Sunday morning and my family and I have a big monitor upstairs a 30 it's not big it's like 36 inch 
monitor that's hooked up to a Roku where we can stream our church services on there via YouTube. And I sat in our upstairs family room and I watched you precious people worship God while my family and I were in the house. And I stood up in my home and all of my children were standing their feet. My wife, we were standing and singing the songs of Zion. And as I stood there, tears began to drip off of my face. And I started just like I was in the sanctuary. I was just pacing back and forth and praying and seeking God with you. And my kids, I looked over and they were like, Dad, this is torture. We just want to be in church. And standing there in that moment, just desiring to be in the house of the Lord, I felt that question prick my heart. How long would it take you to lose this feeling right here? I told you this ain't cream of wheat this morning. How long would it take you to just not miss it anymore? How long do you have to live before you learn to live without God? How long do you have to miss Sundays and Wednesdays and prayer time? How long do you go without early morning prayer before one day you just wake up and you don't even think about prayer anymore? I've talked to people that are backslidden far from God. And they'll remind me of what it was like when they were raised in the church. I've had them say things to me like, man, when I was a kid in that church, Brother Bingham didn't play. And I wondered, how long did it take you to not hear the echoes of apostolic preaching in your dreams? Everybody doing all right? God, this is greater than I can bear. I've messed up. I'm embarrassed. So I'm just going to leave. I'm humiliated. I made a big mistake. I pulled a dummy thing. I I don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to leave. You know, I learned as a little boy that we don't add to or take away from the Word of God. So just stay with me. Give me some hermeneutical privilege, if you would, please. I don't plan on adding to or taking away anything from the Scripture. But as I sat down this week reading Genesis chapter 4, I had a moment of wonder. And I thought, what would have happened? You couldn't have erased his past. Couldn't have brought Abel back from the ground. But what would have happened with Cain? If in that moment that he was still communing with God, the creator of heaven and earth, If he would have said, Brother Jordan, in that moment, this is greater than I can bear. Got down on his knees, prayed a prayer of repentance, and said, God, I can't go on like this. I've made the biggest mistake of my life. I brought you something that you didn't want to receive, and I took it out on my brother And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin today, Lord. I know I can't bring Abel back, but I bow humbly in your presence right now. And I'm asking you because this is too much for me. Would you please hide your face from my transgression? Lord, would you create in me a clean heart? Would you renew a right spirit within me? 
cast me not away from thy presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Would the story have changed at all if Cain would have bowed in that moment of opportunity while he had the ear of God and said, Lord, I'm just asking you to forgive me. You hear this preacher when I tell you today, the worst thing in the world you could do, even in a moment of failure and embarrassment, is to flee the presence of the Lord. You listen to what I'm telling you today. I am tired of the devil using you as his lab rat and guinea pig and trying to tell you that your failure is worse than anybody else's failure and that your past is worse than everybody else's past and that you'll never get over it. Let me just put it on the record today. He's still a liar. He's a father of every lie. There is mercy in the house of the Lord. Church family, I don't know why the Lord hasn't come back yet. I'd love for him to come back. But I'm ready. I mean, I'm now, I'm now ready to be offered. I'm ready to go. If he comes right now, I'm telling you standing before God and this holy congregation. If the trumpet sounds right now, I'm going. I'm going to make it. I've repented of my sins. I've been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of my sins. I've received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I live a holy life. Amen. I'm true to my family. I'm true to my wife. I'm true to the kingdom of God. I try to pray every day as much as I can. I try to fast every single week. I try to live holy and live a righteous life. I can stand before you right now and tell you that to my knowledge, there is nothing in my life right this moment that would keep me from missing the rapture. But think about this right now. I don't know why he hasn't come back yet, but because he hasn't, it is not too late for somebody. I, I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but somebody's been wrestling with some decisions. Lord, it's too late for me to make it right. It's too late for me to come back. Oh, no, 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 baby. You're still breathing right now. The trumpet hadn't sounded yet. I'm telling you, get your house in order. How long does it take to just retire your mind to saying this is how it's going to be? Man, I hope y'all got your good dentures in and put on some good glue because you're going to have to chew on this a little bit. Can I preach for just a few more minutes? How long does it take a backslider to not dream about hell anymore? I'm just moving slow right here because I need the Holy Ghost to do a work. I'm just asking today. I. 
I don't plan on getting an answer. You're going to have to answer this in your own heart. How long do you have to be away from apostolic preaching in the presence of God and worship before you finally just stop thinking at all? I may miss heaven. I know my favorite preacher has told the story many times in my life that for a short season he'd walked away from God. That on a weekend he had sat down on a bar stool and the word of the Lord came to my dad sitting on that bar stool and said to him, if you don't get back now, You'll never get back. I tell him the truth, Bishop. You weren't far from the church. But the Lord let you know you were still close enough. That if you wanted to come home. Man, y'all get ready to be chewing on this right here. He didn't say pick up that bottle and bring it with you. He didn't say take that weed and bring it back with you. Come on, somebody. He didn't say bring, bring your addictions with you. He said if you don't get back now, you won't ever get back. How long does he have to speak that to us before our ears get so calloused? Look, y'all can believe whatever you want to believe. I'm just the kind of guy that believes in divine providence and God's infinite wisdom. And I'm telling you, those are the kind of conversations right there that if you don't acquiesce to the will of God and give in to the will of God, you could jump in that car and say, Lord, I refuse that word and end up somewhere on the side of the road flipped upside down in your car. I know I don't believe in fear mongering. I don't believe you can scare the hell out of people. I don't believe you can scare sin out of people. I believe if they want to be free, they're going to be free. I don't believe you can scare it out. You're not going to fear mong somebody into loving God. It's a choice you got to make today. But how long does it take you before you finally decide that I'm tired of hearing it? I don't care if I hear it preached again. I just don't care anymore. So I'm just going to move off to Nod. I'm going to start my life and my family. And if I never feel his presence again, I'm okay with that. You know what? I fear God. I was told all my life, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is. And I don't really know how to say this to you without it sounding almost like paradoxically confusing. Because I'm not, I'm not afraid of God because I know that he loves me. But when I say that I fear God, it's not just reverence. It's really not. Brother King, I like, I fear God. I fear missing God. I fear missing the rapture. 
mean, you, I don't. I don't mean to bring confusion to you today because I'm. I'm. You can't. You can't make somebody scared enough to make them love God. But I really do. I fear God. I fear for my kids. I fear that if I preach one thing in this church today, but I go home tonight and my kids see a different me tomorrow than you all saw here today. I'm not just a pastor on Sundays. I mean, I only preach a couple days a week uh, in, this, in this church. But I preach in front of my kids 365 days a year. I fear God. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of him because his loving kindness is what leads me to repentance. But I'm going to tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of getting out of alignment and not feeling that tug. Is this a little tight on Sunday morning for anybody? My, is there anybody in here that's still, and I don't, please don't raise your hand, but you still have those moments where you go to do something really, really dumb and you feel that, that little voice. I don't know how God speaks to you, but it's almost like I hear that parental voice, you know? It's almost like I can hear my dad, but it's not my dad. It's that voice of God. And he says, son, you know better. How long does it take for that to not break your heart anymore? How long can you pick up the Holy Scripture and read that when you sin openly, you crucify the Son of God afresh, and you don't get that image? Am I, am I on an island here by myself? I've made those decisions. And I can see that Roman soldier just waiting on me to do it. Go ahead, Luke. Do it. I'd love to put these spikes through his hands again. Go ahead. I can see it. Oh, God. How long does it take before? That just doesn't bother you anymore. How long does it take before you lay out of church on a Sunday again and say, my kids are watching me today. And if I keep laying out, when my kids stop coming to church, they can blame me. I know church. I know today you like it much better when I'm hopping and skipping and spitting around and faith is high. But I'm telling you, so help me God. Standing in front of this congregation today, you hear me well. I fear God enough to tell you that I'm standing between the living and the dead of somebody in this house right now. 
I'm standing between the living and the dead of somebody that's watching online right now. I'm standing between heaven and hell, between earth and eternity for somebody in this room right now. I'm talking about right now. If you don't think that'll make you fear God, I'm common flesh and bone. But I feel in this fleshly body right now the weight of eternal glory as I stand here and tell you that somebody is getting closer and closer to that moment, that threshold where you cross over, where it no longer matters that you can just continue on walking down that path and you no longer hear the voice of God and it doesn't bother you if you do. It's sovereign what God's trying to do in here right now. (laughs) Paul told Timothy, he said, get here quick. Bring me my cloak and bring me my parchment. Demas hath forsaken me. He loved this present world. I don't know. They say Demas left and went to Ephesus and Thessalonica, I guess. And You know, man, when I read the scripture, I see that there's a church at Ephesus and there's one at Thessalonica. And so here's what we know. Even though Demas ran off to another city, the church was still there. So my question is, how far do you have to run and how long does it take, Demas? Before it just doesn't bother you anymore. How do you possibly go? I, I, I need some prayer warriors to pull for me right now and pull for what God's doing. I'm telling you, something's trying to break through in here, and there's a hard heart that God's trying to chisel through right now. How in the world do you go? From thinking that you're man of God. Please understand, I'm not patting myself on the back. But how do you go from thinking you're man of God, hung the moon. He's the most precious and valuable voice in your life. Until he contradicts your will. And now all he's doing is just fighting you. And Paul asked that question. He said, have I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. What's the crossover moment where your pastor no, no, no longer loves you because he's telling you the truth. But it makes you hate him. There's a time in your life that if your pastor looked down his nose at you and said, don't do it, son. Don't go there, daughter. Don't, don't do that. The Holy Ghost is checking me on that. You'd, immediately, you'd just walk out and say, Pastor, I'm done. If a praying woman of God came up to you that you trusted their prayer life and said to you, I, I feel the Holy Ghost is checking you on that, you wouldn't do it. But now your mind's made up. How long does it take to get your mind that made up? That when the Holy Ghost is saying no, you say, but I want to. Oh, I'm telling you, I feel a crushing weight in this house right now. I'm pleading, I'm pleading in the Holy Ghost today for somebody to submit your will to the will of the Father. I'm not here to scare you to death. I'm not here today 
to make you fear anything. But I am pleading by the mercy of God that somebody who is on that crosshold threshold today of losing out with God and making one of the biggest decisions and mistakes you have ever made in your life to step back and say, okay, God, if it's me you're reaching for, then I'm reaching up to you right now. Lord, I am not too proud to make my way to an altar of repentance today and say, Lord, I almost missed you, but I'm thankful for your mercy, and I'm thankful that you're still reaching for me right now. I'm thankful, Lord, that it's not too late. God, I don't know how long it takes, but I don't want to find out. I want to buy into your mercy today. Pastor, I'm in too deep. I'll be humiliated. I know that's what Cain thought too. And he walked away from the presence of God and he never made it back. Hear me while there's a chance today. Somebody come back to his presence. How in the world do we desensitize ourselves to the voice of God? in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic, in the middle of chaos and communistic ideas, trying to push divisive plans in the United States of America, and we just think this is all about a virus, and we think it's all about conspiracy. I'm telling you what it's about. Jesus is coming. I'm telling you this morning that there is a one-world order, a new world order, and a one-world government, a one-money uh, one, uh, system that's moving into the world right now. This is prophetic end time being fulfilled before our eyes and while there is time and while it is yet day we must work so I'm reaching today come on go ahead and tell the Holy Ghost it's too expensive to live for God if you really feel that way today I just want you to look up to heaven and just tell him Lord I don't have time I don't have time today Come on, I'm not spoon-feeding you baby food today. I'm here reaching for all I'm worth. I normally wouldn't just do this on a Sunday morning. I'm throwing it out there today. you got to digest this in your spirit. Come on, you don't have to be lost. You don't have to be so lost that you don't even know where you are for me to be reaching for you today. You don't have to be shooting drugs in your vein and snorting it up your nose for me to be reaching for you today. You just may be cold in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and sing praises when at last I want you to think about it today how long has it been since you've prayed in the Holy Ghost how long has it been since you prayed until you touched God how long has it been since you prayed until you spoke in other tongues how long has it been since you felt that convicting hand of heaven rest on your mind soul body and spirit I'm reaching for you today. Don't reject the Holy Ghost. Don't you let your pride keep you locked up in a seat today. Everything down here will dim and lose its value. When compared with all the glory we Most of all, 
you to hear me today family of God if you read the Pauline epistles you find out that Demas was not some fly by night if you read the epistles of Paul you're going to find out on more than one occasion Demas was with Paul in prison he was locked in with the purpose and plan of God and the man of God but when he fell in love with this present world there was a progression And I believe that progression is seen in Psalms, the first chapter. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Listen now. He starts by walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Then he's standing still in the way of the sinner and then he's sitting in the seat of the scornful it's a progression it starts by walking in the wrong direction and before you know it you're standing still and you've quit moving forward for God and eventually you're sitting down when you should have still been standing it starts by saying to that voice that speaks to you God I really don't know that that's necessary And then your next conversation will be, God, is that really you? And then the next conversation will be, I don't even believe that it's real. I'm telling you, there is that tipping point in the mind of humanity. I don't care how spiritual you are, where eventually you just say it's not worth it anymore. And you throw in the towel. But today I come against every voice that would speak that in your heart and your mind. And I'm telling you while there is time. There is still room at the cross for you today. I know it would be so much easier right now to just let the music play. And let's get up and walk out of here and be dismissed. But I want to tell you that as long as there's breath in my body and breath in yours, I'm going to pray that God would give you revelations of eternity. That his spirit would deal with you until you finally either bow your knee or you take your last breath. How long does it take before your mind doesn't think about him anymore? to tell this story very carefully today because I realize that because of the internet and webcasting that our sermons and stories have an echo if you would they can travel the world pretty quickly but as a child I was standing with a group of preachers in the foyer of a church down south And when I was a boy, we had gone to that church and a particular man was pastoring there. That gentleman had a moral failure and fell away from God, gave up his church and walked away. And I was standing, I was just a little boy, but I was standing in a small group of preachers. 
And the man that used to pastor that church that had fallen into sin came to visit those preachers because they were friends and, and comrades, you know, that he had preached with at one time and they had been, had been friends together. And I remember standing there looking up in the face of that man that had fallen. And he was just looking around that church, beautiful little church. He was looking around. And it was almost like he was looking at every piece of trim, every tile in the floor. You understand what I'm saying? Like he just, he was just standing there looking around, taking it all in. One of the preachers standing there, his name was Danny. And that old backslidden preacher looked up to Danny and he said, Danny, just think, this all used to be mine. He looked at that preacher and he said, I still get woke up at night with sermons coming to my mind, but I've got nowhere to preach it. I made up my mind right then. If and when I fall down, I will arise. I will never stand and look at what could have been for the rest of my life because there will come a day that I won't hear those sermons anymore. And all I could think of as a little kid is why don't you just come home? If you still hear the sermons and this building still moves you, can I give you the answer? I don't know if you're ready for it. It's pride. What will people think of me? What will people say of me? Well, you just listen to what I'm telling you right now. When I'm dancing around the throne, it won't matter what they said about me. You have spoken to us today. We need you desperately. Let conviction grip our hearts. Let us be sold out today. God, I don't know how long it takes before I no longer hear your voice or feel your touch or feel conviction. But I don't ever want to find out. I want to give you my best while I've still got it. I want to honor you with my life. I love you, Jesus. God, I'm asking you to make somebody miserable today. Make their bed a bed of stones. Make their dreams feel more like reality than they ever have. And wake them up to the reality that eternity is so close. That your return is imminent. We want you, Lord. In Jesus' name.